This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. Yoinks and away! Welcome to Lends Me Your Ears, the podcast that takes a look at new movies in theaters and compares them to classic titles of days gone by. From days of yore, my name is Stephen Cook, and I'm an arts writer here in Halifax. My name's Karsten Knox. I'm a film writer. I've got a blog called Flaw in the Iris. You can find it at halifaxbloggers.ca. And that's funny. That never happens to Errol Flynn. We're going to look at the legend and lore of Robin Hood. So, Stephen, so great to be sitting opposite you again and talking about movies that feature Robin Hood. Now, <laughs> yes. I grew up, of course, I think most people grew up with the myth of Robin Hood, the 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 sort of nobleman who went into Sherwood Forest to hide out with his band of merry men, had the love affair with uh, Maid Marian and the villainous uh, versus the villainous uh, Sheriff of Nottingham, uh, Prince John, who uh, who is, uh, you know, sort of like the usurper. King and uh, and then Richard Lionheart was also part of this, but really it's about the the boisterous fun, the swashbuckling, the 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 good times uh, to be had with a group of people, a group of men, largely living in the woods, uh, robbing from the rich and giving to the poor, and that's that's what this myth is is pretty much all about. I think that's that's the basis of it, right? Oh, totally. Like it's you know, Robin Hood is the original boys' own adventure. You know, sort of like the Lost Boys from Peter Pan, only grown up, living in the woods, jumping out of trees, robbing from the rich, giving to the poor. You know playing with bows and arrows and taking down the man you know the the whole anti-authoritarian aspect of, of robin hood is, is really appealing to a kid at an early age and uh i know that i was fully steeped in that lore uh from well i probably initially from the canadian produced tv series rocket robin hood oh sure i remember which that. uh you know i don't know how well it stands up but it it was you know, the, the, the look of the characters is fairly iconic. Uh, a lot of named Canadian actors doing the voices. I, I'm sure it's on YouTube if you want to go and look at episodes. Um, had a great theme song, you know, band of brothers marching together. You know, that whole kind of yo-ho-ho aspect of it. I mean, it was like pirates on the land, basically, sure. was, 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 was the appeal of it. I'm sure lots of our listeners also will remember the Disney Robin Hood of the Fox. Uh, I think it was in the early 70s. I always... Even though I was the perfect age for it, I don't have any memory of that at all. Uh, oh, and I, I do. And I I've, certainly do. Uh, I've watched a little bit of it, I guess, here and there. I've seen clips, uh, but I don't know. I just, whenever I see the bear and the fox, I think, oh, is this an outtake from Jungle Book? You know, I don't, it doesn't well, quite register for me. It, it it does come down. I mean, some people absolutely love that film and I, I really enjoy that film. I don't think it's as good as Jungle Book and they did kind of borrow from the success of jungle book well let's cast a bunch of celebrity voices again and we'll have all these animal archetypes playing all the different characters and so you get robin hood as a fox which is a you know a pretty good comparison and then of course richard the lionheart and king john are are lions i, I don't know if that influenced the, the lion king later down the road with the the sneaky brother who's plotting against his king lion brother um you know and you've got another snake just like in uh, the jungle book and uh, and great songs by roger miller um 
you know, the, the some, every once in a while I get some of the songs from that soundtrack kind of stuck in my head. Now, I saw it in the theater as a kid uh, when, of course, they used to periodically reissue Disney films every like seven years or so. They'd reach into the Disney vault and pull them out. And, and Robin Hood, uh, the animated Disney version, was one of the ones that I saw. And maybe even, you know, when I was as young as six or seven. So, you know, that that made a pretty lasting impression on me. And then eventually I got to see the Errol Flynn version, which, um, spoiler alert, is kind of still the the gold standard of Robin Hood movies. Uh, uh, but uh, I got to see that uh, for the first time. I saw it on CBC late night when they were showing old Warner Brothers films pretty much every night of the week. And then uh, actually, I think I saw a 16 millimeter print of it that was like a really nice looking copy. Saw it projected. Um at uh, ye old Wormwoods Theater uh, back in the, probably the 1980s uh, down on Barrington Street. So uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, going into my teen years, I had a pretty good grasp on Robin Hood. I even read one of the books uh, adapted from the original folktale. So uh, I had a pretty, pretty strong love of, of the story. And uh, as we may see uh, in, uh, in some of the films that we're going to be talking about, I think I probably made some sort of connection between Robin Hood and Batman because I was a big Batman fan. Like when I was a little kid, like around five, six, seven or so, you know, I was watching reruns of the Adam West, Burt Ward Batman series and reading the comic books that were coming out at the time. And so Batman was kind of my thing and Robin Hood kind of fit right in there. Like it's just, he's just like Batman with bows and arrows. And and he, you know, he's essentially kind of a, I mean, of course, Green Arrow was also very popular and is back, you know, with Arrow on 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 TV. But uh, the Green Arrow comics with Green Lantern, where they team up, uh, were also very popular when I was a kid. So, you know, Green Arrow, Robin Hood, very tight connection there. Sure. And uh, yeah, the superhero thing, I see it. And then, But I would say that the one of the mistakes, and we're going to get into this, of the <laughs> new Robin Hood movies, they make that connection way too explicit. Oh, my gosh. Um, but yeah, Robin Hood has had a life. It has, has resurged on television frequently uh, and frequently in film. Now, uh, we're going to talk not probably not in any kind of comprehensive way, but we are going to talk about a number of these uh, Robin Hoods. And let's start with the new one in cinemas. Now, this is uh, directed by Otto Bathurst, whose first feature this is following a lot of British TV, including um, Peaky Blinders and Black Mirror. So he has some credits behind him. Uh, you know, and I, I get why a lot of these mo- these stories are so versatile and why we see them again and again and so popularly adapted it's because they're public domain public domain (laughs) a yes but they're also there's elasticity there you can update it you can change it you could try to bring it into the current day um and i think what makes this new one so awful is that they are really reaching for for some kind of relevance to our current day in a way that feels really calculated and soulless and no fun it's just no fun and unfortunately i can't recommend robin hood i think i think 2018's robin hood the one thing i did like about it was there were some action sequences clearly this is a big budget film and they are some big budget action sequences that i was actually you know relatively entertained by but the casting uh the characters the writing all of it just felt really pretty awful and uh my memory of it has just gotten uh, i remember walking out of the cinema and going well there may be a few things about yes it i remember I that liked. i was like well maybe You're it's not to so salvage bad. our afternoon i was trying to but uh <laughs> but you know in retrospect uh there's not much that is glowing in my memory about this film no uh without a doubt this uh is going to be on a lot of worst of the year lists i think and uh uh 
it was certainly a big, uh, I mean, they spent a, you're right. They did spend a lot of money on this. It was a big budget film uh, for Lionsgate and maybe because, and maybe Lionsgate uh, normally handles kind of middling kind of level films. Maybe they were in over their heads with this one that, you know, they got a director who has not made a feature before uh, they've, they've working with a screenplay by Ben Chandler and David James Kelly, who, if you go on IMDb, have virtually no other credits. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously they've probably written stuff. One of them, I think, made a short film. But still, it's like, you know, how do you hand out a hundred million dollar property over to, you know, based on the script by two guys who've uh, never written a feature film before, or at least never written something that got to production before. And uh, this is the result. It's, it's kind of a, a muddied mess that tries to do a little too much all at once and uh, and doesn't really you know, doesn't score a bullseye, if you will. With no, the, it sure with, doesn't. With a pretty tried and true property that should be a no-brainer at this yeah. point. Yeah, like you've got, basically it's a steampunk Nottingham. You've got the young, wealthy Robin of Loxley, played by Taron Egerton, conscripted to fight in the Crusades, though weird that the Sheriff Nottingham, played by Ben Mendel- Ben Mendelsohn, who's doing all the villainous roles oh, these yeah, days, pretty much. Uh, signs the draft notice. Uh, now Rob goes off to fight a vaguely in a vaguely Middle Eastern land where the enemy uses these massive machine crossbows uh, and it, it looks like every dusty Iraq or Afghanistan war picture we've seen since 2003 that was actually shot in Jordan uh, and then a Rob who is appalled at the inhumanity of his fellow warriors decide he tries to protect the life of a prisoner eventually heading back to England after being wounded and the prisoner follows and that's Jamie Foxx uh, and he is dubbed John or Little John because his his uh, Moorish name is too difficult to pronounce and uh, Jamie Foxx is someone who really should know better than to show up in crap like this uh, then we get back and Robin finds his girlfriend Marion played by the uh, charming Eve Hewson is with a new man Will Will Scarlet, of course, played by Jamie Dornan, who's someone something of a community organizer. Uh, Robin gets trained to improve his bow skills by John and immediately sets out to steal from the town. The sheriff and the church here personified by Ian Peck and F. Murray Abram uh, <laughs> oh by night under the hood by well, by day. He hobnobs with the wealthy town folks. So Bruce Wayne. I mean, it's just like <laughs> yes. ridiculous how much like Batman this story is. It, it reminded me also in ways of Dracula Untold which was a terrible movie about the legendary bloodsucker who was turned into a superhero with god-awful results. Um, And this revisionist Robin Hood makes that same mistake, turning the mythical hero into an Avenger of the night. It just doesn't work. And then there's so much CGI. It was partly shot in Dubrovnik, which, fair enough, it's a lovely town and a lovely looking town on on the big screen. But it there's, I mean, it takes forever for him to actually get to the forest. And, And by then, it feels like you're setting up for a franchise that you know that this film is never going to earn like it just is unearned yeah we don't we don't actually get to sherwood forest until basically the last shot of the film which is just like really and do, do we really need another robin hood origin story like even the arrow flynn version which we'll talk about maybe more in depth but you know robin arrives fully for we're we're you know we're in the middle of this adventure right off the bat we don't have to find out you know, who his parents were and how he was mistreated as a child. You know, no, no, no psychodrama, just he's Robin Hood. He's here. He's Robin from the rich. He's stealing and giving to the poor. Uh, get used to it. And that's that's kind of how it is. You know, just plunge right into the story. But but this one suffers the, you know, it's basically uh, like two hours of origin story and 15 minutes of him finally really becoming Robin Hood. Uh, you know, becomes like this guy known as the Hood. And we see Hood's 
nailed up all over town as kind of symbols of the resistance and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and, and that idea of him leading like an organized rebellion kind of thing, as opposed to just being him in the, the merry men, as it were, um, is, isn't a new idea particularly, but you know, the, the whole idea of, of revisiting the crusades as the original ye old desert stormy, uh, it, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it, it has the same, I mean, it might as well, it looks, just looks like the hurt locker with, with bows and arrows, like yeah. even, they're even kind of wearing uniforms that look like modern day. And I, and I, from what I've read, I guess they're the, the designers of the film, they were like, basically like we're supposed to be a third look historic, a third modern day and a third futuristic. And that was, they kind of went with this mishmash and, and you know, so yeah, of course, it's total steampunk, like yeah, I said, exactly. Yeah, so, much. so, so, so none of it really works. Like, you know, the soldiers have these kind of machine gun crossbow things, that you know in a million years would just jam up yeah. <laughs> you know, given yeah. medieval technology. Like it's just stuff like that. It's, you know, it's just so they can have like firepower and lots of things yeah. flying. And around. have it, yeah, have the it sound like real bangs, like real gunshots. And uh yeah, a lot of that stuff is forgivable. And and actually you could make an argument that it's creative if the script work, if the characters works. Yeah. Like if there was some aspect of it that really felt like it had heart and it just doesn't. And and then they introduce this backstory for the sheriff that he's been treated badly by the church and abused by the church, which I'm like, where is this coming from? But then he's working for the church like he's the church are the bad guys here. Like it just it drives me. It drives me. It drove me crazy thinking back on all the ways in which they tried to stuff some kind of relevance into this <laughs> and have it just not work. Um, and yeah. And I and I then and I won't even get into some of the aspects where there, there's like a political. I think there's there's like a political subtext, which really rubs me the wrong way, which made me even angrier. So, yeah. oh, yeah, they, they make the sheriff look a little Trump esque, I think. And then Jamie Dornan from Fifty Shades of Grey, who's not improved any with his appearance here shows up, uh, you know, like you say, it's like some sort of community organizer, his role is, and he's kind of Will Scarlet, but he's also because of course, and he's all mad because, you know, Robin's come to reclaim Maid Marion and all this. Like, yeah. And, and I, I sort of felt like he was like the well-meaning grassroots organizer and that Robin is basically like, uh, I mean, I think Robin is, is MO is stealing from the rich to give to the poor, but in fact, he's really against big government. I think Robin <laughs> yeah. Hood here is actually quite right wing and that, uh, that, you know, and then, then, uh, then Will Scarlet after uh, a little bit of a spoiler here, but something happens to him and he kind of goes all bad and, uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and joins the, big government and i think big government is the real villain here and it's just it just feels really tired yeah he should be wearing a hat that says manga make nottingham great again um <laughs> <laughs> you know and and then f murray abraham kind of just shows up as the cardinal and i just thought you know like well, you know, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> and here comes F. Murray Abraham straight from the Vatican, putting the ham in Nottingham uh, with this just deliriously over the top performance. Uh, and and it's, you know, it's just it's just way overstuffed. Um, but, uh, you know, in a way, I mean, it, it did then verge on so bad. It's good, I guess. There is- were places where it did, like I said, in the action sequences, I think, and a certain kind of camp that I can appreciate. But. But uh, Taron Egerton, who uh, I only have so, so much patience for, I'm not a huge fan of the Kingsman movies, but he he was utilized well in those films as kind of a, you know, a punk with a, a certain kind of physicality, which I thought was really, he you know, he does that physical action really well. 
Uh, here, he just has no charm, and he doesn't. You just don't care. To, like he's not a hero that you can get behind. Um, yeah, and he's supposed you know. to be landed gentry. Uh, you know, with, he's he's a titled landowner, and yet he sort of act, talks like a cockney, and it just there's no real grasp on that character at all. Like you can play Robin Hood a bunch of different ways. He can be like nobility who's been robbed of his land and title, and you know fights against the sheriff and prince john or whatever or you can just make him you know a commoner who wants to fight back kind of thing you can go either way with that and here they kind of played it down the middle and neither side works yeah yeah i think um another thing i noticed eve houston i think is the only woman in the movie who has a line and i was just like (laughs) really really is that what we're doing now again like I think I feel like with our with our time in this first segment before we we call it, we should probably let's just go back to to Adventures of Robin Hood, which is is for the for watching. I watched it for the first time as a result of knowing that we are going to watch this. We're going to talk about it. And it was such a joy. Now, Adventures of the Robin Hood from 1938 isn't, in fact, the first appearance of Robin Hood on the big screen. No. Before that, there is one with Douglas Fairbanks from 22, which I am guessing is a is a silent film. Yes, it is. And uh, that's one. I Have you seen it? I haven't seen I, it. I've seen it. It's it's quite lovely. Like, it, I mean, they spent a lot of money on that for a silent film in that period. They built a castle. I mean, I think a lot of it was done with hanging miniatures and stuff like that. But they actually built a good chunk of a castle set, which stood... As part of Fairbanks, Fairbanks had a studio uh, in Hollywood. It was sort of like the Pickford Fairbanks studio, which parts of it still exist. In fact, there's a war over, you know, whether some, and I think some portion of that set still exists on that lot, but I think it's going to be destroyed for some sort of commercial development uh, in the very near future. But, um, but, but they went all out. They built this huge set uh, and they make good use of it. He's forever climbing the walls and jumping off the gates and, you know, duking, dueling it out with the, the sheriff and his men throughout the course of the film. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of key to get a good copy of this film. I mean, I first saw it on French CBC uh, where you could at least sort of read the, the subtitles um, uh, way back when, when I was probably in junior high or something. That's when I first saw the Fairbanks Robin Hood and he's very dynamic. I mean, he does, he did all his own stunts. Like even Flynn doesn't necessarily do all of his own stunts, but Fairbanks was very adamant about, about, you know, being, you know, seeing his face when he leaps off of something and that sort of thing. And he was very athletic and, and basically Robin Hood and the black pirate and, um, and, and um, uh, not Arabian nights, but um you know, his, his version of like Sinbad or whatever, um, are like all key sort of titles in his swashbuckling, uh, legend. Uh, and Robin Hood looks pretty great. Like it's, it's fairly authentic, uh, in, in its look and its costuming and everything like that. And I think somehow the silent aspect of it makes you, makes it almost makes it feel like maybe it was filmed in olden times. There's, a, there's something about it that I, that I quite enjoy, but it, there are decent copies out there. I wouldn't watch it on YouTube or, or find some multi-generational copy, but, uh, but Fairbanks has a lot of charisma to spare. And, and obviously that was an influence on Flynn, but the, the Flynn movie just has, you know, everything going for it. Mm-hmm. It's got a great score. Uh, Michael Curtiz was the king of action film directors at that time. And uh, it's got a great supporting cast and it's got this, you know, mind-blowing Technicolor that uh, now, you know, when you watch it on Blu-ray uh, or if you're lucky enough to see a original 35 millimeter print of it, um, 
you know, it's, it's just stunning. It's it's the peak of, of Warner Brothers creative powers at that time. I think. Yeah, it was amazing to see. I was so glad to have watched it. Uh, now, I found a bit of trivia about it that I didn't know that uh, that Alan Hale, who played Little John <laughs> yes. in Robin Hood in 1922, who he is Alan Hale Jr.'s father. Now, Alan Hale Jr. was the the captain from Gilligan's Island. Um, he played Little John. In the version, uh, Alan Hale Sr. played Little John again in the version of Robin Hood with uh, Errol Flynn and then did it one more time in a film called Rogues of Sherwood Forest in 1950, where Robin Hood in that film was played by John Derrick. Like, that's an amazing stretch, I guess. Over 30 years playing the same character. Same character in three different projects. That's awesome. I I really love the adventure Robin Hood. I realized that all my sort of knowledge or of of the myth and the story, much of it must come from that film, even though I have never actually seen it before. Um, it starts in 1191. Richard is on the Crusades, but he's been captured, and the treasonous Prince John wants to be in charge and is teaming up with the Normans to take control of the Saxon rabble back in England. All of this is explained in the opening crawl, the opening credits, which I guess if they'd done that in 2010, the Ridley Scott film, they would have saved 40 minutes of backstory. Um, Roughly, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Um, but we'll get to that. Um, but it's there's some amazing imagery. There's wine drips like blood off Prince John's table, and it's all in this incredible technicolor. Claude Rains plays John Prince John. He's got an unbelievably bad hair. Uh, <laughs> Sir Guy of Gisborne is is played by Basil Rathbone. Olivia de Havilland as Lady Marion. Fitzwalter, who is a posh lady from London, in this, uh, and she wears the most unbelievable gowns like in every different scene she has a different gown and it's like something out of a science fiction movie it is so remarkable i i I, it would be rare for me to recommend a film purely on the costumes Uh, there's so much more to enjoy about the adventures of robin hood but the costumes make it worth worth it just for the costumes in this film they're wild oh yeah warner brothers went all in on this film and uh you know went over budget it took extra long time to shoot for any number of reasons, uh, Errol Flynn didn't get along with Michael Curtiz so much, even though Michael Curtiz directed uh, Flynn in like three or four films at least. You know, they, like they're always getting paired up thanks to the studio system because the, their films were always hits. So even though they didn't get along, uh, I guess they got results somehow. And, um, you know, I hear varying stories on whether or not Olivia de Havilland and Errol Flynn actually got along. I hear you know, he put the moves on her and she rebuffed him and early on. And, and yet somehow people liked their pairing and maybe there was a friction there that worked on screen, you know, because apparently like apparently Bruce Willis and um, yeah, on uh, oh on um, Moonlighting. Oh, who's he paired oh, yeah, with? Sybil Shepherd. Sybil Shepherd. Apparently they hated each other. Yeah, too, I heard that too. somehow yeah. made for a great show. So I'm guessing that that similar character, that similar chemistry goes on uh, here on uh, on the set of uh, Robin Hood and the other uh, de Havilland uh, Flynn movies. But uh, but it all works. Uh, you know, Eugene Paulette, who's one of my favorite character actors, is a great fire talk with that gruff voice. Sure. And, yeah, he's amazing. And, and, and yeah, just everything in this film works. And uh and and you know you can see why they probably didn't make another Robin Hood film for a number of years after that until maybe the fifties or so. Yeah, it's a wonderful film. Uh, it's also very unintentionally homoerotic, I think, which <laughs> which is great with all those men in tights. Sure. A lot of men standing around with their hands on their hips, laughing. Oh, you know that kind of that kind of energy. And uh, I can really see the influence of this film on Star Wars in a big way oh, yeah. with all the sword fights and the costumes and so on. But also, it reminded me. I, I was reminded of an episode of Blackass. 
matter where uh, Flashheart shows up and steals away Edmund's bride. And they, they, anyway, yes. there's a scene towards the end where they're, I, uh, you just, just watch the Flashheart episode of, of, uh, of Blackadder season two. And you'll know what I'm talking about. Once you've, once you've seen the adventures of Robin Hood from 1938. Yeah. Yeah. The definitely, uh, Barrymore was the, or not Barrymore, but rather, um, Fairbanks was the original swashbuckler, but but Errol Flynn took that and somehow made it more subtle, more uh, genteel somehow, and and more charismatic in a, in a very kind of light and airy way that has just not been reproduced. Well, it's funny you mentioned Star Wars in that last segment because uh, the next Robin Hood film we're going to look at has a very definite connection to Star Wars uh, in. Uh, in the casting of its uh, Sheriff of Nottingham. And we are talking about Hammer Films, I think 1960, big screen Robin Hood film of uh, Sword of Sherwood Forest. Now, uh, Robin Hood is not something you would think of Hammer Films, the home of Christopher Lee uh, and, and you know, remakes of, of Frankenstein and The Mummy and, and lots of amazing horror films throughout the 1960s. You wouldn't think of them as the home for a Robin Hood movie. But of course, they, they made a lot of things besides horror movies. They they made a substantial number of, of British film noir in the late 40s and into the 50s. And uh, they made some psychological thrillers that didn't necessarily have monsters in them, unless you count Oliver Reed. Uh, and uh, and they... Um, <laughs> what do you got against Oliver Reed, man? <laughs> he's a brute. I mean, I love him. He but, is a brute. But he's... Oh, he's terrifying. I, I couldn't imagine running in, into an Oliver reading a dark alley <laughs> but um but they 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 took a stab at uh, at robin hood with sword of sherwood forest uh which they filmed in ireland uh which is unusual usually they just filmed around their uh their main studio and and, and the properties around their studio in, in england but uh they decided to, to maybe spend a little bit more money than usual and go to ireland and uh take advantage of some of the scenery and locations there and uh got richard green who's also serving as a producer on this i believe who was playing robin hood on tv for i think three or four seasons uh on a series uh you know the adventures of robin hood or tale of robin tales of robin hood that ran for a number of years and continued to run in syndication because unlike a lot of british tv shows of the period it was actually shot on film so episodes of that survived whereas you know like a lot of early doctor who completely gone but robin hood richard green uh was uh syndicated almost immediately in the u.s so. i stumbled upon it on amazon prime you can watch that whole series oh, sure. right now on amazon prime if you have amazon prime and i think there's four or five seasons of it and i just yeah I, in my like search that. for robin hood uh in streaming services i i came upon it. i was like oh which one is this and then there, oh there's the guy um yeah green who uh richard green who was you know he's very sort of like stiff upper lip very like you know <laughs> yeah. he's got little he's just stiff all around this this dude this robin hood i i found uh I found the low budget of the film version, a sort of Sherwood Forest, I guess, probably not so different from the TV series. Uh, but at the same time, there was some good there was some fun action. Uh, and uh, and I did like, as you mentioned, the Star Wars connection, Peter Cushing. Playing yes, the, exactly. Playing the uh, the sheriff. Yes, of Nottingham. The, the grand, you know, hammer horror, reliable Peter Cushing, who's always great. Uh of course, uh, playing the Sheriff of Nottingham, pretty much the same as the Grand Moff Tarkin in, in Star Wars. He's he's not the guy in charge. He's got a, a, a another guy, uh, a lord, who's trying to consolidate his power and run his own little kingdom. And that's why they're heavily taxing the people of, of Nottingham so that he can kind of 
create his own city state as it were. Um, so he's, you know, once again, Peter Cushing is kind of like the bad guy who's kind of like the middleman um, bad guy as the sheriff of Nottingham wearing with hair that looks kind of like the helmet that he wears in star Wars. Um, but, uh, and he's, he's kind of, I think Peter Cushing is probably the best thing about this film. Richard green is, you know, he, Obviously, you know, in this film, he played Robin Hood for you know a few seasons of TV, so he's got the role down pat. But you're right; he, he's kind of like a sort of solid middle class Robin Hood. You know, he's, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing political about him necessarily. He's just kind of trying to right wrongs and do good for the people. But um, he reminded me a bit know, of Adam West Batman, like kind of. Like, he's he's jolly, you know, he's jolly but not too jolly, yeah. and he's athletic but not too athletic, and uh, <laughs> he's a bit barrel chested, and yeah, yeah. he's kind of stocky and. You know, and, you know, if you grew up with the show, I'm sure I'm sure you you, you have really fond memories of, of Richard Green's Robin Hood. Um, but he's certainly not the definitive Robin Hood in any way, shape or form. And uh, and here, he you know, he's, he's pretty much the same as he was on, on the TV show. Um, but but it's got this whole plot. But the plot of this is very similar to the Robin Hood that this year's Robin Hood with the sheriff. In in this case, he's not collaborating with you know, a, an evil cardinal. He's it's, it's this Lord um, who, who wants to uh, create his own kingdom. But, um, but it's, it's in other respects is similar. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the whole idea of like all the Robin hoods seemingly all have to do with taxing, overtaxing the poor. And that's why Robin hood gets involved. So he can take some of that money back, which, you know, is, I think is a great, the story, but it's but it depends on whether or not what the reasons for the overtaxing. Like in the current Robin Hood, the the uh, the government wants to use some of that money to to basically in, for treasonous reasons yes. to bring uh, bring the uh, Arabian forces in to take over. Uh, you know, and I you see that quite a lot. That in fact, um, the sheriff is involved in some bad stuff way way over his head, and he has allied himself with with like foreign invaders, and and that's the reason. And yes, Robin, see that again too. Yeah, again and again, and that's why Robin's doing good work by being faithful to uh, Richard. Necessarily, if he's alive or dead, depends on the version. Sometimes he's <laughs> dead. Sometimes he's still alive. Um, but you know, to the spirit of that, anyway. Yeah. So it's you know it's it's got that kind of hammer horror verve. It moves along pretty quickly. There's some really great sequences, some good sword fighting. I mean, Terrence Fisher you know, knows how to keep these films kind of moving. But as you say, the budgetary concerns sometimes do rear their head as they yeah. do often. Do. Like, I mean, I've, I find that hammer films often look really good for the low budgets they were working with. You know, they usually had good costumes, good locations, um, you know, and were shot very economically, but are able to kind of hide the seams. But there are things like, for example, uh, one of our favorite things about this was Desmond Llewellyn, who played Q in so many James Bond movies. Obviously this is pre James Bond. He shows up in the very first scene as, um, I guess, an, an agent of the sheriff who's got some important, uh, I don't know if he's carrying money or something important for uh, or an important message or whatever it is. But he's being hunted by some men and and uh, he gets, you know, he gets shot and he almost makes it, but he doesn't. And and uh, but then towards the end of the film, we're watching a fight scene and. We, you know, by just through the magic of freeze framing, clearly Desmond Llewellyn wearing a fake beard <laughs> is, is spotted in, in one of the fight scenes towards the end. And so he died in the first couple scenes and then he returns uh, only to die with, again. with a beard, only to get killed again. Yeah. Now, it's a total blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. Like, I'm sure in theaters, nobody 
saw this happen, but, but it's pretty, it's pretty like, I mean, I just, uh, oh, that's Desmond Luella wearing Llewellyn wearing a goatee. It's pretty, pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I think it's time to look ahead to uh, Robin and Marion from 1976. Now I was introduced to Robin and Marion from through a friend of mine in my undergrad, and it still is probably my favorite Robin Hood movie. Um, it is so, it's like the word elegaic was invented for yes. this film. Uh, it's directed by Richard Lester, who of course is a famous filmmaker, uh, written by James Goldman, who also wrote The Lion in Winter. And the film is still an utter delight. The tonally, it just gets it absolutely right. There's this mix of melancholy and this concern about age along with just a lot of great gags and a lot of terrific dialogue. Um, the opening shot, you know what you're getting from the opening shot. Uh, there's an opening shot of fresh apples, like a still life, and then there's a second shot of withered, wrinkled fruit. And it basically says everything you need to know. It's it's why li it's about why life is worth living and how love sustains us, and it's about getting old and what happens when we get old. And there's um, there's it's followed by a shot of a hilt of a sword or a cross blocking out the sun, and then a vulture and a man <laughs> blind in one eye and then we see the main titles and we're in some deserty part of france apparently where there is a, <laughs> a a tower a castle that richard wants to take and of course he asks his right hand man richard harris playing richard the lionheart who's terrific in like three scenes here um and then he asks his um his right hand man robin to to take the castle and uh robin and little john of course robin is played by sean connery and little john um played by who is little nicole john? williamson nicole williamson yes and they are amazing together and uh, kind of weird that the guy who the old man, they find in the castle, the guy missing the eye has a Cockney accent, which I never was quite <laughs> able to understand. It's a little bit Monty Python, to be honest. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, pre Monty Python. But anyway, that's or fine. Robin Hood has a Scottish accent, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, eventually uh, uh, Richard dies and, uh, and there is some intrigue there. But then Robin goes back. He goes back to to Sherwood, except it's been 20 years. He's been on the Crusades for 20 years. This is this is the only story of these where, where Rob, Robin is, goes on the Crusades in many of these other stories, but comes back before he gets to this age. And in this one, he's been gone so long that he's left late, made Marion, uh, Audrey Hepburn, who's become a nun. And all of his former former uh merry men they're still around they're still sort of scraping by but the sheriff is still up to his no good tricks this is actually the most sympathetic sheriff i think played by um uh robert shaw who's amazing this is i will He's so good i will yes. stand on my blu-ray of jaws and say that this is robert shaw's best role <laughs> he is so great in this well he is definitely one of the manliest mofos that ever stood in front of a camera <laughs> you know like hands down he actually yeah. made a film called swashbuckler uh towards the end of his career that's not great but it's robert shaw so you should if you get a chance to see it you should see it um it's got some fun action but it's fairly lightweight but uh but yeah i love that rivalry between the, the sheriff just kind of figures he, if he gives robin enough rope he'll hang himself essentially like there's no reason you know why go charging after him like everybody wants him to when it just means you know you're just going to you know, get cut off at the knees. And, uh, yeah, the, the other guy in the, in the chain mail armor goes ahead and does that and yeah. finds out to his, you know, uh, to his very, his, his very sad fate that, uh, that he just, when you come into Sherwood forest, you're in, in trouble. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not in your own territory at all. Maybe there's a bit of a Vietnam 
kind of analogy happening there in the film. I suspect it was kind of lurking in the in the background, but uh, but this this film is wonderful. I think it was entirely shot in Spain, from what I okay. gather, because Connery, for one, and maybe some other cast members were actually British tax exiles at the time, and they right. couldn't work in the in the UK um, because they they owed so much in taxes, or they'd been not evading taxes, but were you know trying to live outside of the UK, um, and like a lot of uh, artists and you know, uh, actors and musicians and so on during the 1970s and the Rolling Stones were the same way. And, uh, so they shot it all in Spain, which is why a lot of it looks like it's happening in, in Rocky desert. That Indeed. Right out of a spaghetti Western. Of course they were all shot in Spain too. And, uh, and, and, you know, for Connery, I guess he had a home in Mallorca and he was a short commute, I guess, to the film set, you know, in his private plane or whatever. So, um, so it does. It doesn't look like any of the other uh, Robin Hood movies for that reason. But that eventually, you know, there is a forest. There is a Sherwood forest, and it does look very lush and green. And we spend a good deal of time in it with with Robin and Marion and 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 Connery and and Hepburn's actually a bit older than Connery in this film. That's, that's a rare thing for Connery. Um, and uh, they have a real nice rapport. I mean, it was Hepburn's first film in something like eight years. She left uh, showbiz to raise her kids and and do charity work and all that kind of stuff and and uh you know but the the chance to play Mary Marion I guess and, and be in a film with Connery um who couldn't have been hotter coming off his run as James Bond um couldn't have you know was was very tempting and and you know from all reports she really enjoyed the experience of of working on this film and playing as such an iconic character and uh and everybody looks like they're having a really great time it's and, true uh and and like like you said Shaw is so fantastic as the sheriff he's just got this kind of lackadaisical approach to 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 you know it's like you know he doesn't take them as seriously as everybody else seems to, you know, like his, his second in command goes running off to Prince John so he can get a, a raise an army of his own to go into Sherwood forest and, and take out uh, Robin and, you know, tries to make it look like he's, he's fomenting a revolution. Ian Holm, yeah, you know, it's Prince John actor shows yep. up as Prince John for just a, just one scene, but he's yeah. terrific. Robert Shaw's my favorite line of Robert Shaw is, these pears are absolutely delicious, <laughs> right? The day of the fight, like yes. he has woken up early. He's had a shower or a bath or something. And he, they've decided a mano a mano. It's going to be one against one, uh, uh, the sheriff against Robin. And, uh, and he's eating his, and all this stuff is going on around him and he's eating these pears. And he just like, these pears are absolutely just it's just <laughs> a wonderful moment. Um, and I love the conversation between Marion and Robin where, uh, he she he's describing the horrors of the battlefield and Marion asks him why he didn't come home and he says he was my king and then when she says you never wrote he says i don't know how <laughs> like this is some great great dialogue and then you know they wake up in the forest and he uses a branch to clean his teeth i mean there are so many good moments there's a terrific john barry soundtrack um you know denim elliot ronnie barker of the two ronnie's comedy team uh it's just it's it's an it's a total joy. Every time I watch it, I I just get I grow more fond of it. And Denholm Elliott, as, yeah. as 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 I think Will Scarlet. So you know, yeah. is, is also a, a real treat. You know, he's a character actor that uh, you know I, I certainly love. Yeah, having one of the two Ronnies as Friar Tuck. I mean, Friar Tuck obviously is always the kind of the comic relief in these films. But 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 yeah, this film. I mean, it's you know, it kind of picks up where the Errol Flynn movie leaves off. Like that's a great double feature because both are, are fun. Um, you know, like this one deals with some serious issues in terms of, uh, of getting old and the nature of mythology and legends and that kind of thing. But at the same time, it's still, and it's an hour and 45 minutes. It's still like under two hours. Unlike the, the more recent Robin Hoods. So it, it kind of, 
you know, it, it, Lester is such a, a skilled storyteller that he, he he just has such a light touch with this material and and just gives it the exact right tone that it needs. And, uh, you know, it's a shame that somebody didn't learn from that lesson. So somehow I had it in my mind that Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves from 1991 was just terrible. Like, I just remember it being bad. And I'll tell you why. Uh, Two things, two reasons. Uh, The lead, Kevin Costner, who is totally miscast in it. And I still believe that. He can't can't do a British accent to save his life. He's not. But but he's he's charismatic. There's no doubt. I mean, he's been the lead in so many movies. And there's a reason he's a movie star. It's because he can he can carry a movie. He just he's just not a great Robin Hood. Uh, And so I had that in my head. Oh, it's just not that great a movie. Um, And then there was the ubiquity of the Brian Adams song. (laughs) When it came out, it was such a huge hit. You couldn't get away from it. And I just associate that, that song, which I'm not a fan of with the film. So like that connection, it just makes me sour on the film. So even, and and through the nineties, it was on all the time on cable TV for some reason. So I saw little clips of it here and then I was like, Oh, it's so terrible. I don't want to watch it again. So because of this podcast, I sat down and rewatched Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves and was amazed to find out how much fun it actually is. I had, given it a rough time in my memory but in fact it's quite a romp it's it's got a great supporting cast the action sequences are a lot of fun and it just it just delivers that sort of boisterous good time you know element that i think it borrows quite heavily from adventures of robin hood but updates in a way that uh, i really liked um and it has alan rickman in one of his two early villain roles in Hollywood that made his career. Basically Um, he plays the sheriff of Nottingham and he's so funny. He is so so funny. Every, every scene he just runs with. And in fact, a a lot of scenes, he's just running. He just runs through the scenes. He never sits still. He's always moving and deking. And, and there's this whole weird subplot between him and this witch, which is in, not in any other movies about Robin hood that I've seen. uh, That's it's so it's outrageous and hilarious. Uh, And the dialogue is really, really dazzles i uh i really liked it I, and i like morgan freeman as azim the 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 moor who basically helps him uh although his motivations for following robin around are pretty weak um <laughs> yeah. he, he's he's a nice presence as well um you know and and only uh christian um slater uh has has a worse accent than uh than kevin yes <laughs> than kevin costner in the film but it doesn't matter they're all just fun like it's a, it's a fun movie yeah, if if you sort of uh, check your expectations at the door, uh, this is this film has actually aged remarkably well because it, it's just the Kevin Costner is a bit of a black hole at the middle of it, which you know is kind of a problem, but he's not terrible. No, you're either. right. Like if you can just kind of get your mind around it a little bit, um, you know, he does what's needed of him, I guess. Uh, you know, you you try not to think too much about who would have better suited the role. I mean, obviously at the time it came out, you know, there'd be like stars who were, you know, actually British who might've come to mind. Um, well, there was another competing Robin Hood movie the same year yes. with Patrick Bergen and Uma Thurman, which, uh, you know, is, is, I think was made on a much lower budget and, and was m- mightily overshadowed by this one. Yeah. This was Warner brothers, Robin Hood. And the Bergen one was uh, made by 20th century Fox. And uh, the Bergen one actually did play in theaters overseas. Uh, in fact, I was in 
the UK and Ireland when it came out and I saw posters for it everywhere. Uh, and then here it just went straight to video and cable. So, uh, you know, and when I did see it, I think uh, ultimately I saw it on Laserdisc, I think in the early nineties and, uh, and quite enjoyed it. It, like I say, it, it you're right. It, it's not, uh, you know, it's not as big a budget as the, the Costner, uh, is it Kevin Reynolds who directed yeah, it? That's right. Know? So uh, his old buddy, they made some other films together. Um, Fandango, I think maybe. Um, and, uh, um, it's, but it's, you know, it's got the right spirit. It's, it's, it moves along fairly well. Bergen is kind of, you know, a taciturn actor. I mean, most people think of him as sleeping from the enemy. I don't, I think he's sort of made some interesting appearances in more recent years, but it seemed like he disappeared from the screen for a long, long time, but he's, but he's a pretty credible Robin Hood. Norman Thurman's a great maid, Marion. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on who some of the other cast members are, but, but it's, it's a pretty serviceable, better than average Robin Hood. Um, and, and the, the Costner one, obviously has much higher production values and, and makes the most of it. And, it, you know, is a, is a great film to look at. It's it, like you say, the action films are, are well put together and, and Morgan Freeman's very good in his part. The, the whole idea of having a more like, you know, which continues with uh, Jamie Foxx in the new film, uh, I guess stems from uh, an eighties, like late eighties, British TV revival of Robin hood where they kind of made it more because it's, you know, it is the, the 1200s uh, AD, you know, and so it's, there's, there, they try to inject a little more mysticism, a bit, make it a bit more Celtic-y. I think Clannad did the theme music for that version. Um, and so they borrowed some of that element for this one and uh, including a Moor who joins the Merry Men, um, you know, which is, which isn't entirely out of the question. It is possible that it could have happened. Um, it makes it a little more inclusive, which isn't a bad thing either. Um, and it uh, maybe shows the world as being a little bit bigger than, than people initially thought it was in those days. Um, so it's, you know, if you get a chance to see the other Robin with Patrick Bergen, which you said was on, I think it was on Amazon or iTunes. Yeah, it's it's on iTunes now. You can dial it up and watch it if you're feeling like you want to be comprehensive about these, <laughs> completist about these Robin Hood movies. Yeah, if you, you you know, maybe want to do a run of Patrick Bergen movies, uh, you know. Or, <laughs> it wouldn't be the worst idea. Would, he's, yeah, he's, he's the worst charismatic thing you could do. Yeah. Um, you know, he's Irish, so, you know, close enough. Uh, uh, you know, th- th- I think the other all, all the Irish listeners now are like, ah, damn you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's a good thing that, you know, at least it's, you know, the right side of the pond anyway. And in fact, uh, you know, even though I don't think we're going to talk about it in a great detail, but in Robin Hood, Men with Tights, um, <laughs> the the Carrie Elways uh, gets a line off in, the, in the, the Mel Brooks film, you know, well, at least I have an English accent, you know, <laughs> which is one of the better jokes in that film. It's not top tier Mel Brooks. I think it came after Spaceballs. Yes, it did. Um, it's a 90s Mel Brooks. Yeah. But uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it's got enough going for it that if you, you know, if if you want to watch a, a Mel Brooks film that at least has some musical numbers and some some half decent gags in it, you can go with that. Although weirdly, Mel Brooks did a TV series in the seventies. I think there are twelve episodes. It was like a summer replacement series called "When Things Were Rotten." So it was a series of half hour sitcommy Robin Hood episodes uh, that Mel Brooks did with a bunch of you know comedy writers of the time uh, that that you know, has a bit of that sort of pre-Naked Gun kind of feel about them. Dick Gauthier, it was a reliable, you know, I think it was Jaime the Robot on Get Smart. He's Robin Hood. Um, you know, Dick Van Patten is Friar Tuck. Anyway, there are a few episodes. I have an, actually a VHS collection of three episodes of that, but uh, it is on YouTube in some form or other. It's worth checking out. Uh, 
for this lost chapter of of Mel Brooks' legacy. Now, before we leave Prince of Thieves entirely behind, I do want to point out a couple other things about it that I really, that helped redeem it in my eyes watching it again. Mary Elizabeth Mastantonio is great. Her accent, even though she's American, her accent, so much better than Costner's. Yeah, she's lovely She is really lovely. And her her scenes with Alan Rickman are fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Like, yeah, she's got much more to do here, which I really liked. Uh, Robin has... A uh, if fans of mullets should watch the film because his mullet <laughs> is were hardcore there. there. Like he's a really impressive mullet. Um, and Brian Blessed plays his father. I mean, in what universe can you imagine Brian Blessed to be the father of Kevin Costner? But he is in the beginning of the film. <laughs> he is the the senior uh, Loxley. And uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, there it is. Uh, we also watched Robin Hood from 2010. This is. Um, Actually, it borrows the early scenes very much borrowed from Robin and Marion because they're at the castle. They're in somewhere in France and they're yeah. trying to take it. Um, and but you've got a blustery King Richard King played Richard. by uh, John, uh, John Houston's son, uh, Danny, Danny Houston. Yeah, Danny Houston with uh, lots of hair. And uh, you've got uh, a very capable Robin Longstride played by... Um, uh, Russell Crowe. And, uh, you know, it's... it's uh, it's actually it's the opening is really kind of gripping and I, I quite enjoyed it. I, but it's it's really slow moving. Now, my memory of this film was that it was too dour to be a good Robin Hood movie. But watching again that that full on uh, Ridley Scott directorial um production value in the look of the thing in the casting he can get all the best actors to show up in his films and in the way he moves the pieces of the puzzle around like the way he moves the board with in his large uh packed full action sequences like sword and uh sandal sequences uh, is is astonishing and you it's it's true here it's true in gladiator it's true in kingdom of heaven like this is this very much feels like like it's akin to gladiator not quite as melodramatic but um but it's quite a lot of fun and i would also say that watching it again uh i was kind of charmed by the film not i mean it's too long and it has problems but but for people listening to this in our region here in atlantic canada (laughs) it has an incredible (laughs) cameo not more than a cameo a supporting role one of his playing a major merry man yes uh by uh alan doyle playing alan o'doyle (laughs) who is the musical merry man who gets gets a loot and goes to town and has like two or three musical sequences where he's playing music in the background and and there's one scene where he makes up a really ribald rhyme where you know where you know it's coming and uh and robin interrupts him right before he gets to the uh the obnoxious <laughs> and i i uh i won't uh, spoil it for him but i literally lolled at that like i was just thought that was very funny uh ridley scott is not known for his sense of humor his films tend to be even his light films tend to be really heavy uh but there is moments here where where he does deliver a light touch that i i quite enjoyed yeah the merry men are truly merry quite often you know we see scenes of them you know, their drunken debauchery you know, after a victory or what have you. And, and uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty true to the spirit. Russell Crowe, I was worried he was just going to be too dour and, and grim as, as Robin Hood, but, but he, he gets some chances to lighten up from time to time through the course of the film. I, I did not see this in theaters. I, I only watched it recently. Thankfully, there is actually like an, an unrated version of it. I don't know mm-hmm. how much it actually adds. I think it's about just, 15 minutes or so. It just makes it longer. <laughs> but, yeah, um, you don't need that. But it but. is a good 45 minutes until we really 
get him to be Robin Hood because it starts off with the Crusades and a siege and and you know suffering the the wrath of his king, which you know it's all out of Robin and Marion. And uh, you know, finally, I think you know, like like almost an hour into the film, we finally get to to Nottingham and Sherwood Forest, and the plot starts to kick yeah. into gear. We've been flashing back there to because Maid Marion is trying to yes. keep her farm afloat with her father played our father-in-law played by max von Sydow, who's and, blind and kate blanchett is made marion and she's yeah, great she's she actually great. one of the great things about this film but she, that makes it worth watching she and and russell crowe have no chemistry not at really all. no and that is is the romance completely falls flat i think in this film because they just just cannot believe that they would be attracted to each other there's nothing there they're both just kind of bristly with each other and uh and she's particularly seems to not like him at all yeah. <laughs> which isn't hard to believe the stories that one might yeah. have heard about Russell Crowe and his behavior. But, you know, who, who can say? It just doesn't translate on yeah. the big screen. Well, of course, he comes waltzing in pretending to be her husband because her husband died in the crusade. So he takes his identity. So naturally, there's going to be some friction there when yeah. he shows up. Yeah, and, fair enough. And so, but, you know, they basically... They fall in love because the script deems it so, not because it feels natural and 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 uh, and right. But of course, you know, normally people want a romance between Robin and Marion, and but, but she's very much an action Marion. I mean, we we see her, you know, she's very capable of taking yeah, care of herself. In a, and, a suit of armor at one point. Yeah, so. you know, she gets her she gets her hands dirty literally. Yeah, uh, over the course of the film, and 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 you know, Kate Blanchett's great at uh, at selling that kind of character. So you know, and and in fact, when I watched, I forgot that she was made Marion, and when she shows up, I'm like, yes. And she turns out to be one of the real, uh, real assets to this film. Now, of course, one of the on the downside of it, it gets into this whole French invasion of England plot that I did not enjoy at no. all. No, uh, there's a lot of subplot there that's not great. And uh, but it's worth mentioning that the cast, there are people here. You cast William Hurt in your film. This is an, <laughs> a, an extraordinary actor. You just get him to sit in the background, not doing anything. Like he just isn't, he's barely in it and you barely need him. Uh, you get hot young actor Oscar Isaac in weird blue contacts oh, yes. as, as Prince John, who's spending time with Leah Sedou as his French uh, interest while he's ignoring his wife. And you get his mother, Eleanor of Aquitaine, played by Dame Eileen Atkins. Uh, I mean, these are, these are character these are actors that can carry a whole movie and it's uh it's amazing to see this cast you can't really go wrong with these kinds of actors you could watch them talking about anything but it does slow the narrative down in such a way like you said with this whole uh, uh french invasion that you're just like would you please get to it yeah and mark strong is the the french nobleman who wants to get revenge on robin hood for shooting an arrow at him back in France or whatever. Like, it's like, really, you know, it takes a long time to travel from one place to another in those days. That's a long way to go for, for revenge. And, and it, uh, you know, I, I don't buy it. And then, you know, it, there's a big invasion plot and it turn, it basically turns into gladiator two uh, back in the, the woods or something <laughs> like yeah. it just, yeah. It, and there's, there's a backstory for Robin, like looking into his psyche, into his past and who his father was and this all this identity stuff. And you're just like, no, we don't care about this. Um, and, and, and oh yeah, and Al, but you know the the positive is that Alan O'Doyle is about to sing another song, and it sounds just like Great Big C. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's it, it does turn into a bit of a muddle once it passes the two hour mark, but. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's certainly better than the one that's playing in theaters right now. That's right. And it it says uh, it ends with and so the legend begins. So, you know, that this was another film that they were hoping for a sequel, a franchise, and it 
didn't really happen. Now, I would have been more okay with this one than from 2010 having a sequel than, uh, frankly, anything coming from the one we just saw. And that's been another episode of Lens Me Your Ears, the film podcast where we look at new movies in cinemas and talk about old movies that we like and gives us an excuse, really, to watch some of these either again or for the first time. So I really appreciate you doing this with me, Stephen. Thank you so much. And uh, and this was lots of fun watching Robin Hood movies. Yeah, I really enjoyed revisiting this character and seeing a couple of titles that I hadn't seen before, like the Hammer one, which uh, there's a new Blu-ray of it out. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a very attractive looking film, and as all Hammer films are, I just got an older blue uh, DVD copy that still looked pretty good and only cost 10 bucks. Uh, but, uh, you know, there, there's so many Robin Hood stories that we haven't even talked about. I'm sure um, big screen and small, I, even I, you know, aside from Errol Flynn, one of my favorite things that I meant alluded to early was uh, in, in the episode was of course the uh, Daffy duck Robin Hood cartoon where Friar Tuck is played by Porky pig. That is one of the funniest cartoons of the looney tunes history uh, you know just the whole you know i got a buck and a quarter quarter staff but i'm not telling him <laughs> that the whole thing you know we're trying to like yeah, you know, yeah. dodge parry thrust <laughs> Doing, you know and i mean it, it, it's a great cartoon and there's also a later one called rabbit hood um with bugs bunny in kind of a you know, where he's waiting for Robin Hood to show up. He's not trying to be Robin Hood. It's it's pretty good. It's not quite as good as Robin Hood Daffy, but uh-huh. it's it's still Bugs Bunny and Prime Looney Tunes. So I, I, I recommend looking for those shorts if you haven't seen them before as well. Um, we should mention that if you want to find us, we have a Facebook page. We are on Twitter uh, and Lends Me Your Ears. And you have a Twitter account as well, don't you? That's uh, right. Stephen? At NS underscore S-C-O-O-K-E. My Twitter is named after my blog, Flaw in the iris um we have a patreon account did i mention that we have a patreon account if you want to send us some a uh, little bit of support on a financial way to have us continue to do this yes rob um, from the rich and give to us that's right <laughs> <laughs> um and many thanks to ckdu 88.1 fm for the studio facilities and for airing this show every second tuesday at uh, 5 30 and thanks so much to our producers at the village soundcast network for making us sound so great every time we do it too uh, much appreciated thank you as well for listening to us ramble on about robin of the hood and all movies uh thanks so much we'll uh we'll talk at you again soon see you next time Lends Me Your Ears is hosted by Stephen Cook and Karsten Knox and is produced in Halifax, Nova Scotia at Village Sound for the Village Soundcast Network. All music courtesy of Gypsophilia. Send feedback to Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. 